Today's scripture is Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. My name is Dwayne Hawkins. I am uh, a man of God who is not qualified to be up here this morning. Um, And uh, I don't mean that facetiously. Um, Actually, tell the church that I have the privilege of pastoring Life Givers Church down in Goodyear. Um, that God did not call me to pastor because I have it all together. Um, Actually, God called me to pastor because he understands that if I am not pastoring, I am probably out here doing stuff that I absolutely have no business doing. Um, And so it takes such a strong call um, on my life to keep me in line with Jesus. It is good to be here, Redemption Peoria. Love you all. Um, to, the, to, the, to the elders here, God bless all of you. My brother, Sean, thank you, brother. Um, my life has been enriched by our relationship, man. Um, know that, please, publicly. You inspire me. Um, I need you to know that, that there is something that happens at my soul when I listen to you preach, man. So um, I, if you guys don't know, yeah, come on, come on. Um, I am a preacher's preacher. I love preaching, um, and, and I just don't listen to everybody, but, uh, but, but he's in my preaching Rolodex. He is, Pastor Sean, so for real, for real, bro. I love you, man, and it's a blessing just to serve the city here with you, man. Um, I have an assignment this morning, um, and uh, I'm ready to do that. Let's pray. God, we honor you today. You are worthy of the glory and the honor. Lord, this is about you. Give us ears to hear, hearts to believe, and feet to run in the word that you will deposit into us today. On this morning, slow us down. Make us pay attention. For yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. I must decrease so that you might increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a Puritan statement that says, pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. And if any of us in here have been walking with Jesus for any length of time, um, you understand then that this idea of prayer can be extremely cursory or um, just an event, right? Um, You wake up in the morning, and if you really want to attempt to honor God well, 
um, before grabbing your phone and scrolling Facebook, you make an attempt to get on your knees and go to God in prayer. One of the things that I love about that statement, pray until you pray, is this idea that the Puritans are pushing out that actually you need to stay in that posture, in that position of prayer until your flesh lines up with what God is doing in your spirit, right? That it's not okay just to sit there on your knees and roll out a few words and and say, all right, God, good, we've got that out the way. Let me go about the rest of my day. Um, And might I be able to lift up for you this morning, family, that the reason cursory, hurried, eventful prayers are not okay because as Pastor Sean has preached on last Sunday, there is a war being waged for your heart, right? You guys have walked through that spiritual warfare, um, how, how Paul here in Ephesians encourages the church at Ephesus to put on the whole armor of God. Right, that, that this idea of the armor is not something that, hmm, I'll decide to put on truth today, but I don't need righteousness today. Right? Or, hmm, I'll decide to walk in the gospel of peace today, but I don't need the helmet of salvation. But actually, the entire armor of God is something that should be weaved in and through the daily fabric of your life. Why? Because there is a war being waged for your heart. Pause a moment. I know your life is well. I know that you have created your vision board and you have accomplished everything that you believe you have been set out to accomplish and left up to you. If I was sitting in a coffee with you, you would say, contrary to popular belief, Pastor Hawkins, God is really blessing me right now. And I would say, yes, he is, but the enemy is still after you. He is still after you. And so what you have to be careful of, family, is determining the severity of the battle based on the condition of your life. Got to be careful. And might I be able to push to you today that what Paul wants to lift up for us here as he is pressing into the church at Ephesus, who, by the way, the church at Ephesus finds themselves in the midst of a culture that, that places a high value on, 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 on magic and the occult, things of witchcraft, things that are demonic in nature, things that are of high spirituality. They value this, and what Paul is trying to get them to see, listen, you have to be careful because there's a battle in front of you. My, my hope this morning is to give you four charges, okay? Four charges. Um, I, I do things to, to kind of pull our attention in. So uh, what, I'll, what I'll do throughout this sermon, I'll say, say, and then I'll follow it up with a statement, and that's your cue to repeat what I'm telling you to say. Fair enough? If you got it, say, I got it. Perfect. Y'all see how that worked out right there? 
I love the text. The Apostle Paul, you have to understand, right? He is an apostle, one who is sent by God. He is an ambassador. He is on mission with God. And if you don't know much about the Apostle Paul, he he has been changed by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. He used to be one who killed Christians for a living. God got a hold of him, changed his thoughts and his emotions, quickened his spirit, right? And now he becomes one who is winning people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put a pin in there real quick. It does not matter what your past is, Once the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, family, things will change. Just because yesterday was horrible does not mean that tomorrow will be the same. But if you can just align yourself with what God wants to do in your life, I promise you the things that hold you down, God will deliver you from it. Paul is an example. And so he preaches from this place of passion. Not as one who has had it all together his entire life. Right? He doesn't preach from the place of, listen, I got it all together, so you should listen to me. No, he preaches as one who says, listen, my life hasn't always been the way it is today, and I come to you from a place of passion, from a place of power, from a place of experience, understanding that in the daily rhythm of my life, my whole heart is being changed by the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. And so when he writes... This text here to the church at Ephesus, he's coming on the heels. There's a transition here in verse 18. He's coming on the heels of saying, now that you understand who you're battling against, now that you know that the war that is being waged for your heart is not a physical battle, It's not a battle for your best life now. It's not a battle for your finances. It's not a battle for your marriage. It's not a battle for your children. It is a battle for the kingdom of God. It is is a battle for, for, for spiritual rulership, for spiritual leadership in this world. Now that you understand this, that 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 the way you think your life is going, you think that is the problem, that is just a small part of the bigger picture. Let me give you four charges here. First charge Paul gives, verse 18, and if I can start from the point of the period, he says here, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Here we go. To that end, keep alert. To that end. To that end. To what end? That I'm not fighting against my wife that I'm not fighting against my kids, I'm not fighting against the local church, I'm not fighting against politicians, I'm not fighting against the American culture, but to the end that this is a spiritual battle, the first charge Paul gives, he says, keep alert. Can we translate that for a moment if you're taking notes? Somebody say, wake up. Paul says, do you understand the war that is being waged for your heart? The first charge I give you as I conclude this letter to you, wake up, family. Wake up. Be watchful. Be 
careful. Do not be lulled to sleep by, by, by the comforts or the accoutrements of this life. Do not be lulled to sleep by thinking that we are the greatest nation in the world and, and we have everything, technology and, 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 and all of these comforts at our fingertips. Like, yes, I know, Dwayne, you live in Goodyear because you grew up in Oakland and so Goodyear compared to Oakland is a come up. Yes, Dwayne, I know you have more than your parents had at your age when they were your age right now, Dwayne but wake up. Goodyear is not righteousness. There is a war, bro, that is being waged upon your heart. And if you let him, the enemy will desensitize you, sift you, get you to think that because you live in suburbia, because you raise your kids in a place that's different than where you grew up, you now have arrived spiritually. Can I tell you, family, the reason Paul is impressing upon our hearts on this morning that we need to wake up is because the enemy does not show up on your front door right in front of your face and say, here you go, here is sin, partake of it, it tastes good, it's good for you. He doesn't do that. But he does it in ways that you least expect. He does not present the battle primarily through your poor behaviors. Matter of fact, he would like for us to get caught up in the fact, oh, I did this wrong, and I did that wrong, and I got to be better, and I got to be on time, and I got to make sure I get better rest, and I'm just too busy. He's like, yeah, 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 go and focus on all of that stuff. Why? Because he's attacking you at the level of the heart. I would push the envelope family that that by and large is probably the American church's, one of the American church's greater issues. That in our goodness, in our ability to do things well, in our ability to help other people, to show up to church, and in my ability to preach the word of God, that there is something at the level of my heart that is still misaligned. That on the outside looking in, you might see me and you say, man, he preaches well. Man, he's a man of God. Man, he loves his wife well. Man, he shepherds his kids well. But at the level of the heart, the enemy has a grip on me. This is where the war is being waged. And so what I have to learn how to do, family, is be aware. Wake up. The way things appear to be, that that is not the way they are. How do, you, how do you wake up? Somebody say pray. How do you wake up? Pray. 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 This is not, this is not about, okay, let me just add more prayer to my, my life. But here's what happens in prayer. When you enter into the space of prayer, right, you are engaging the presence of God and something happens to your vision when you are entering into the presence of God. 
Something happens to your sight when you enter into the presence of God. Okay, don't believe me? Let me pull on a a Psalm 73 text here. That's ASAP. He is talking uh, and complaining about how life is going, how the people who are wicked, they prosper and they want nothing to do with God, but their life is all of that and a bag of chips, how they denounce and they talk against God, but they're balling out of control. And he says, but then you look at me and I pray and I give and I serve and I preach and I bless folk, and God, I'm struggling every single day. But I love it. There's a transition in Psalm 73. Asaph says, but until I entered into the presence of God, it was only then that I gained discernment, that I had clarity about the end result of those who want nothing to do with God. In Old Testament text, even Asaph understood, right, that clarity only comes in the presence of God. Focus only comes in the presence of God. Why? Because outside of the presence of God, family, you see things the way you want to see it. Outside of the presence of God, you don't have clarity. Outside of the presence of God, things look one way. But the moment you enter into the presence of God, the moment you get outside of yourself and you say, God, I'm going to be still, I'm going to tarry, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to meditate on your word, and God, and I'm going to pray. However you enter into that space, whether, you, whether it's a prayer journal or, or you utter words, the words of God, or however you enter into that space, it's being still long enough to quiet down the noise outside of you and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me, God. Because left to my own devices, Lord, the way I'm feeling about this situation... I'll be honest, (laughs) because maybe you guys have it all together, but have you ever had the moments, right, where life doesn't go the way you want it to go, and you feel some type of way about it? Few of y'all have, right? And left to your own devices, you would give them a piece of your mind that you know is not a piece of the word of God? It's in those moments, family, right, that you need to what? Fall back and enter into the presence of God. Why? So that you have clarity, so that you can wake up. Because the true battle in that moment is not about whether or not you can make the right decision. It's really about your allegiance of your heart. So that's the first charge that Paul gives. Can I drop another pin on you here? In this charge, this is why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in the Gospels of both Matthew and Luke, as he's, as he's about to go and be arrested, but before then, he's praying in the Garden. He tells the disciples, he says, listen, watch and pray. Can I give you that this morning? Before you are duped, before you are taken out by the enemy, watch and Pray. Second charge Paul gives here, he says, first charge is wake up. Second charge is endure. Somebody say endure. We're still in the text. We're still in the text. He says to that end, keep alert with what? All perseverance. What does it mean to endure? It it, it means to persist, to be constant to never quit, to never give up, to never throw in the towel. I love it. It doesn't say with all perseverance, if you feel like it, with all perseverance, 
when it's a good day, with all perseverance when life is going well for you. No, he says, be persistent with all perseverance. What are we persevering in? You're persevering in the first charge. What is the first charge? To wake up, to be alert. As you're being alert, don't quit on watching and praying. Watch and pray, dot, 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 don't quit. (laughs) I love it. Watch and pray, dot, 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 don't quit. Why? Because he understands that as you watch and pray, you are going to get tired in the assignment of God on your life. You will. You will. Old pastor used to say it to me like this. Pastor I grew up under, he says, listen, Dwayne, you'll always get tired in the work, but you should never get tired of the work, especially when it's the work that God has called you to. To get tired of the work is to say, I throw in the towel, I quit, I don't want to do this anymore. But to get tired in the work is to say, God, I'm struggling right and through here. I need you to help me through this space in my life. You have to endure like your life depends on it because it does. This is not a battle for whether or not you will accomplish your goals. This is a battle of eternal life and death. Just pause a moment. I know your life is well. Some of you in here, your life is well. And others of you in here, your life is not going the way you wish it would go. Some of us are in pain and others of, other, other, others of us in here are on the place of pleasure. But let, can I tell you, whether you are in pain or pleasure... This is a war being waged for your death, and you have to endure, and endurance does not come because you feel like your life is in the dumps, and this is the worst it will ever get. Neither does endurance come because you feel like your life is going well, and it's on top of the mountaintop. Whether you are on the mountain or in the valley, the goal is to endure in being watchful. Being watchful. Watch this. Endurance is not for the faint at heart, though. Yeah. Endurance is not for the Christian who is driven by spiritual comfort where you show up and you check your box and you did the good work of the Lord and so the Lord should bless you. Somebody say lie. Not for those. Endurance is not for those who say, God, I served you, I worshiped you, I prayed, I came boldly to you from a place of faith. How come you didn't bless me with this? Endurance is not for those type of people. Nope. Only those, watch this, who want Jesus and Jesus alone will have the ability to endure If you want Jesus plus, fill in the blank, whatever whatever it is that you feel like you need to make your life go well, whatever it is to feel like you need that, 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 that causes your life to be all of that, Jesus plus, fill in the blank, you will always struggle to endure. Why? You're simply not satisfied with Jesus. Can I tell you that this is what the enemy is after in your heart? He wants you to be dissatisfied with Jesus alone. And so what do we do? We try to put our hope and our satisfaction in other things other than Jesus Christ alone. 
And we wonder why we're anxious, we're fearful, we're depressed, we're sad, we're disappointed. We wonder why life doesn't seem to connect the way we hoped it would have connected. We wonder why we're exhausted and we're not sleeping well. We wonder why it seems like we take two steps forward but get knocked ten steps backwards. I would say, are you fighting the wrong battle? Are you putting your hope in something that is less than God, something that was never or someone who was never designed to bear the weight of your worship? And so you get frustrated when it or them crumbles under your worship? It was never designed to bear your allegiance. And so it will always be tough to endure. Because you haven't learned to be satisfied with Jesus alone. Family, let me encourage you. The enemy cares nothing about you. He will entice you with things that are good. And on some days they seem even great. But at the end of the day, none of those things are God. That's why Paul's second charge is endure. Don't let the question that Jesus asked the disciples, I'll go back to a previous narrative, don't let the questions that Jesus asked the disciples in the Garden of, the, uh, in the garden of Gethsemane, could you not watch with me for one hour? Don't let that question be asked of you. Could you not endure? Could you not stay faithful? Could you not be still long enough to watch God work on your behalf? Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance. Third charge he gives, right? First charge, wake up. Second charge, endure. Third charge, pray for one another. Don't forget about the root. Don't forget about what this is, this, is, this is nestled in, right? Remember, there is a war being waged for your heart. And so this third charge here is pray for one another. Love it. Look at the text. He says, making supplication. It's, these, these aren't separate ideas. This is all connected. Making supplications, prayer and more prayer for all the saints. Somebody say all. If I was in my own household, I'd say Everybody. Pray for everybody. Nobody gets left out. No saint of God, no believer, no Christian, no local church gets left out. And I don't care if you don't like them. I don't care if you don't like their philosophy of ministry. Paul's not saying, Paul's not saying, you know, just because, you know, you feel like they might preach this way or you don't like the way they do their words. It doesn't matter. Do they believe in Jesus? Do they wake up every day leaning into the power and the presence of God when they find themselves out of alignment with Jesus Christ? Is their lives marked by repentance? If so, then yes, they would be filled with the Spirit of God. They are a believer. Pray for them. Why? Because nobody in the body of Christ's family is exempt from spiritual warfare. 
The enemy isn't saying, I just want to attack Pastor Sean, but I'm not going to attack the rest of Redemption Peoria because Pastor Sean is a beast of a preacher. I won't attack anybody else. Just pa-. No, 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 no. He's attacking everybody. Even the sound man, the sound tech today, I just met him today. And as I was standing over here, he walked up to me. We were standing, we were talking. He was just pouring out of his heart just how the Lord was doing a great work in him um, and, and, and really just talking about his journey. And what I was realizing, I was sitting there just, it just you know, just sometimes as you're a church planter and you're a pastor, it's easy just, just to say, you know, hey, that's just a sound tech or can I get some ushers over here or can I do that, right? You just need bodies, right? But, but in that moment, the Lord was like, no, this is a soul, Dwayne, that I am working in and through. That even him, the sound tech, pray for him. The person who sets up your coffee, pray for them. The clerk at the grocery store, pray for them. The neighbor that you live next to who goes to CCV, yes, pray for them. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Don't throw stones because you think, oh, they do this. No, 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 no. Pray for them. There is a war being waged. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is one of the many ways that the enemy is getting us to battle against ourselves by heralding stones at other churches. Yep. We judge. We tear down. Paul says, don't judge. Don't tear down. Pray. Somebody say pray. And then some of us, though, we've, we've found ways to be more super spiritual. So I don't judge you or tear you down, but I'll criticize you. Or they're not preaching the truth the right way. Or, or they're, not, they're, they're so focused on just gathering people and not making disciples. And so we criticize them. And I would say there is a place to criticize. But if your criticism ends with your criticism, it was never really about the gospel. It was just about you. You know, the text language, IJS, y'all know what that means? I'm just saying. Translation, I really don't have a point to this. I just want to be heard. And then you try to pacify it over and say, well, it's the truth. It is, but it's truth that's not rooted in the gospel because of where your heart posture is. I would say, yes, family, there are spaces where we need to criticize our brothers and our sisters, but from a place of love. And you know it's from a place of love because when I say to you, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm not sure that that's in right alignment with God, but hey, can I pray with you through that? Are you willing to pause on your narrative, on what you're saying, and and just pray with them? Or are you so stuck on your own soapbox that you just have to be heard? Well, it's the truth. No, Paul says, pray for them. Because what you're failing to realize is that what you're criticizing them on is actually how the enemy is waging war against their heart. You criticize them because it's different and you have no idea what's going on at the level of the heart. You have no idea the context they grew up in. You have no idea who's been shepherding them their entire lives. You have no idea what their low-level internal struggles are. And you criticize them. You judge them. You tear them down. Paul says, no, there is a war being waged for their heart. Pray for them. I am convinced, family, we need to pray 
more than we criticize. We need to pray for people, pray with people more than we give them a piece of our mind. We need to pray with people more than giving them statements about where they need to shape up and line up. Pray for one another. Can you take a page from James' book? That's why I believe one of the most fundamental reasons that the body of Christ misses their healing. Watch this. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and uh, pray. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. It gets a lot done. The problem is we confess, but we don't pray. We'll confess, and then we'll leave confession from somebody confessing their heart to us, and we'll go and criticize them, or we'll talk about them, or we'll reject them. Oh, that's too much drama for me. How could you? Mm Mm-mm. Brokenness is an invitation to pray. Let me give you the fourth charge here that Paul gives. Charge number one, wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Charge number two, endure. Say, endure. Charge number three, pray for one another. Say, pray for one another. Love it. Here's the fourth and the final charge that Paul gives. Paul says, Pray for me. Somebody say, pray for me. (laughs) Look at the text. Look at the text. Making supplication for all the saints. Verse 19. And also for me. Also for me. Also for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. Why? That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I love it. There are some of us in here who don't ask people to pray for us. Because you don't want to come off as weak and needy. And so when somebody asks you to pray, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, how can I pray for you? You say, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. God's, God's been blessing my life. Pause a moment. Like, so, so you don't need prayer anymore? Now, let's just, let's just break this down for a moment. You're telling me you don't need me to go to our Father and ask him for something on your behalf. That's what you're telling me. Some of us in here, we need to ask people to pray for us. And that you requesting someone to pray for you does not mean that you are weak and needy. It does not mean that you're struggling spiritually. What it really means is you understand who has the authority. I got two younger brothers when we were little, and my brothers wanted something, they would never go to mom and dad. They would always come to me. I'm the oldest of three. They would say, yo, Dwayne, can you go and ask mom and dad if such and such and such and such? Because <laughs> they knew that if they probably went to mom and dad, nine times out of ten, mom and dad would probably say no. But if I went to mom and dad, I'm the oldest, they're like, bro, you can get a prayer through. <laughs> I mean, come on, you got some friends in your life. You know they walk close to Jesus, right? Don't be afraid 
I love it. We're talking about the Apostle Paul who is writing a letter to the Christians at Ephesus. He's a beast mode preacher, beast mode disciple maker, multiplier of multipliers. And he even has the humility to say, pray for me. Pray for me. I love it, though. Watch this. Let's set this up real quick because remember now he's in prison. For preaching the gospel. You have to take note what he doesn't ask prayer for. This is so good. (laughs) He does not say, can you pray for me that the Lord would make my imprisonment more comfortable because it's so hard in here. Doesn't ask for that. He also doesn't say, can you pray for me that the Lord would just deliver me out of this season of discomfort because then that would just be the ultimate glory of God? No, he does not pray for anything to be made easier for him. Let's look at the text. What does it say? He says, also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Family His prayer is only focused on the mission at hand. He did not ask, let me pause here because I don't want some of y'all to miss this. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't ask for God to turn your life around. Can we be clear about that? Okay? But can we stay in the text? Because I do believe that there are times when we're going to God in prayer, we're asking for the wrong things. We're asking God, can you get me out of this? We're asking God, can you just take this pain away? We're asking God, can you just heal me? We're asking God, can you just make this better? Paul says, no, pray that the Spirit of God would give me the words and the boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel that, oh, by the way, I am suffering for. Don't pray that God would take my suffering away. Just pray that God would make me faithful in the midst of my suffering. Why? There is a war that is being waged against my heart, and it is not time for me to back out right now. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It's not time. I'll close with this. My dad used to say in tough, contentious moments growing up as a kid, he would say, Wayne, this ain't the time to quit today. We was built for this. He says, we was built for this. And what he meant by that, he was saying, Wayne, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't give up. Don't start wavering now. Like this is who the Lord has made us to be. We have everything we need in our hands to not just barely survive this situation, but we have everything in our hands to thrive in this If you would just be who the Lord had made you to be, and you'll see God work in your life. Can I push you today, family? But I believe this in this very moment, that many of us in here have certain scenarios in our lives that are challenging. And we've been praying that God would take it away. Can I push this envelope just a little bit right through here? I want to make a bold statement just today. Stop praying for God to take you out of your situation. Stop praying for God to turn it around. Stop praying for God to ease 
the comfort. I see it, though. I see it. No, pastor, you don't know my scenario, though. You're not going through what I'm going through. You're right. I'm not, but Jesus does. Can you embody the prayer that Paul prays here? That while the Lord may not take me out of my suffering, pray that God would give me the words to boldly declare his gospel in the midst of it. Asap said it best like this. 73, Psalm 73. He says, last verse of that portion, he says, I have made the Lord my refuge. Why? Not so that the Lord would make my situation better, but so that I would declare his mighty works. I see this as a constant in the scriptures that that, that, that many people are giving up God changing their situation in exchange for God changing them to be a mouthpiece, a witness in the midst of this challenging situation. What's more important, that you would declare the glory of the Lord or that your life would be changed? What's more important, that you would be a witness to the glory of God? And re-engage this spiritual battle or so that the Lord would make your life comfortable so you can have your best life right now? What's more important? Four charges he gives. Wake up. Endure. Pray for one another. And pray for me. My prayer is that as you leave here today, family, you will have this deep soul celebration in your heart that my grandma used to give me. She would say it like this. She would say, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took a little time and prayed for me. She would say, I'm so glad they prayed I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. She would get up and go about her way because she knew that her being in the space of prayer and other people praying for her was more important than life going the way she thought it should have gone. Let's pray. God, thank you for the charge, the call, the push, pulling us off to the side of the road, causing us to pause and focus on the space of prayer because there is a war being waged for our hearts. Remind us, God, not to get caught up in this thing going the way we think it should go. But at the end of the day, Father God, we want you and you only. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.